You're listening to Talking Threat Intelligence, a podcast dedicated to uncovering the new challenges of today's threat landscape. Each episode, we connect with some of the world's leading practitioners to share stories from the front lines of corporate security. And now, on to the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Threat Intelligence. I'm your host, Robert Value. And joining me today is Laurent Bodo, the creator of OSINTjobs.com. And today we're talking about how to break into the world of OSINT as a career. Laurent, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Laurent, before we hit record, you said something really interesting to me. You said that when people are trying to break into the OSINT field, that they're kind of way too broad about what they're talking about, and they need to get more specific about picking their goals and the skills that they will need to develop in order to be successful. I thought that was really, really interesting. Can you tell listeners a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a, I wouldn't say problem, but yeah, that's kind of like the starting point with most people, which is not bad. So firstly, that's great that people have the passion and are very interested in starting a journey in this career. And obviously, like no one was born with OSINT skills. This includes me as well. So obviously you want to work in this area, but you just need some guidance and some help in finding something that interests you. And what I always tell people is to follow your passion. And yes, it can be OSINT, it's OSINT, but what else? Like, are you interested in reading newspaper articles in foreign languages? Are you interested in protecting assets? Are you interested in working in a corporate industry? What do you want to do? Work for NGOs? Like there's so many things, even finance. Like that's also the first part, like figuring out where you see yourself. What do you like to do? OSINT is just like, yes, uh, it's cool. It's a product that you eventually produce, but you need to have some sort of secondary interest, um, I would say. Mm, That's a really interesting insight, Laurent. Like you said, OSINT is just so big that it's important to pick your spots. But what kind of mistakes do you see during the application process when people are submitting the resumes? The next one that I wanted to pinpoint are the the common pitfalls or mistakes. This is not only for people who just getting started, but also generally uh, people who are already like mid-level career, let's say. And this is also something based on my experience, which is when you try to find a new job or when you apply for a job, is that you critically assess yourself and your skills and try to be honest just to honesty here is important just to avoid you know this negative impact which can be caused by applying for a position that you're not suited for and then you get rejected and then you get rejected over and over from similar positions um that's why it's important to just be like i don't have these skills let me give you an example for instance you find an interesting job somewhere on ozinjobs.com maybe <laughs> and then you read through the requirements and then it says specifically on these lists are ordered so on top is usually what's more important and then you know it goes down to less important but everything is still important and then it mentions writing briefs writing reports as one of the top things that you would do but when you then critically assess yourself and also where you worked and what you're doing at the moment and you haven't written any reports or you don't do this because it's not part of your job it's first important to um, to identify these gaps because by identifying these gaps, you then know what you have to do to change, uh, to improve. And I have done that myself. Like I, I applied for many jobs. This was years ago. I never got the roles. And why was this the case? Because I didn't have the right skills. These keywords, they often use also systems that go through the CVs and applications. And if it mentions writing reports and writing briefs, and in your CV and cover letter, it doesn't mention at all that you wrote briefs and gave presentations to senior stakeholders and stuff. 
then it's highly likely that you will not get an invitation. And if you keep applying for these positions that require you to be really good at writing, because that's also part of OSINT, to finding the stuff is one part, but then to communicate your findings is another part. And this can vary from um, industry to industry and also in terms of length. So that's one thing I just want to highlight that, you know, when you go through these line items, be honest with yourself. Like, do you have these skills? And here important is demonstrated experience. And I've seen it myself. Um, uh, not long ago, we were looking for some freelancers. We were helping a, a large news organizations to find freelancers. And the question specifically said, what is your demonstrated work experience and blah, 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 blah. And most of these answers that were rejected were because of there was no demonstrated experience. It was more talking about, I can do this, I can do that. Um, so I can Google, I can geolocate, but demonstrate experience for me is to showcase that you have used these skills and produce an outcome, which was positive, of course. So talking about cases, and this is immensely helpful. It helped me in my career as well, getting jobs through CVs, but also in the interview process when they ask you, okay, so you know about OSINT and if done, tell me a couple of case studies, walk me through, show me that you have those skills, not just mention bullet points. Maltego, for instance, I've also helped people like looking at their CVs. So that's why I'm also talking about these things. I usually don't do these things, but I like to help people. So every now and then, if I have the time, I quickly look through the CVs and give some tips. And, you know, when you have to demonstrate your experience in a certain subject and you just list some random Python scripts, um, I understand it. What you mean by this, that you can use it and you know that this thing exists, but someone who, who works in HR may not be, you know, familiar with all these things. So it's just about how you kind of like present yourself, not selling yourself, but present yourself. There's not much difference between OSINT, you know, OSINT jobs and any other job. If you apply for a job, the hiring manager or the company, they want to make sure they get the right people and they can do the job. Well, it's kind of like sales 101. It's like, okay, you say that you could do something, but people aren't going to believe you until you have demonstrated the proof that you can, that you can do it or you've done it or other people in different situations. You'll get their attention with the bullet point that says, oh, you know this particular skill set, but they're not gonna believe you and want to hire you until you have yeah. that proof. Uh, that yeah, you exactly. Like it's generally, generally speaking, uh, you know, this kind of, this is skill in itself when you apply. I wrote so many applications, I have different versions of my CV because every job is different and you have to emphasize different things. In one job, it's more the research aspect so that you know how to do literature reviews, you know how to research. And the other one, it's more like investigative work. You have to show that you crack cases, that you led cases, that you were successful in, you know, leading a kind of team or whatever, whatever position it is. Can you tell the listeners about, you know, when you were trying to break into this field and, and maybe when, when you were learning these lessons, do you have any, any stories from, from them? Yeah. So this was when I studied and I was looking for internships, but during this time, you know, I was also looking for what are my interests. And what I did is first to understand. So the first thing I did was to talk to a lot of practitioners and the kind of networking. This was important for me to just understand like the, the industry, how it works, and also to get introduced to other people and then learn about what they do. Because there are so many things and I learn so many things every single day when I look at job descriptions where OSINT is, is used. And there are so many areas, like when it comes to, to OSINT and just to get an understanding, you know, it's very helpful. This was offline, which was really useful, but 
Today, we can also use LinkedIn, uh, which is amazing to just ask and reach out to people. And usually, you know, I, I do the same. When people ask me, I help them. If I don't have the time, I'm polite and say, like, I'm sorry, but I don't have the time right now. Please reach out to X, Y, Z or so. And I think this is one thing that you should do as a young professional to reach out to as many people as possible and trying to build up this kind of network. And when I talk about network, I mean talk because sometimes people think like, oh, it's so difficult. They want to build up a network just for the sake of, you know, because one day they will give you a job or something. That's the wrong approach. I would never build up a network based on one day this guy will be a millionaire and then he will offer me a job. It's not going to work. And it's also a lot of work. It should be natural, natural in the sense that, hey, I saw what you shared and this is really cool, like great stuff. Congratulations on your report. And by the way, I was interested like in this kind of field, like, can you point me to a couple of things that I can do? This is more natural and this will help. And people will also see this and they want to help you. So that's one lesson was that, you know, don't be shy and just reach out to people. That was one thing. And then again, when I applied for positions, I was doing exactly the wrong thing. Like I thought that I have these skills and I thought I could do the job easily. But when I looked at my CV and the previous experience, I was like, I can't see this thing anywhere. Like, yeah, I mentioned this experience and that experience, but it doesn't relate to the job. And when I just compare job description and CV, I just don't see a fit. If I was a hiring manager, I would be like, no, this candidate's not suited. So I was also lucky because at uni, we had career service. So this is a cool thing where you can walk in and then, you know, they help you and they give you all these tips. And this was exactly the thing, like trying to compare them and see, you know, what are the commonalities? Do you have the, the right skills? And this is like whatever uh, level your career is at right now, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. So if you want the job that you want, then you have to make sure that you kind of like have the right skills and I don't want to sound too negative in the sense that, oh, if you don't have the right skills, you shouldn't apply. No, that's not true. Oftentimes, you know, they ask for the most perfect candidate that has 20 years experience working for governments or whatever, and then, you know, can to speak 20 languages and everything at once. Of course, you won't find this, but maybe they exist somewhere. I don't know. But usually Probably not at the money that you're willing to yeah, pay, though. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing, like, uh, <laughs> exactly. So... You shouldn't be discouraged if you think like you can still do it. I also applied sometimes for jobs where I was like, I haven't done this specifically, but I have done something similar and I'm confident that I can do this in that sense. That's a great answer. There was, I was just feverishly writing down notes because there, there were so many great insights there. I want to go back to the networking thing. And I love that approach that you took. And I see this in every field with people trying to break in or trying to move up is they just think networking, it's handing out business cards and building the slimy relationship just to get something. Or they're just stuck online and firing out resumes into this black hole. And there's just too much competition. If you go on any job, if you're an employer, you post any job online, there's 500 applicants within the first day or two. But when you go out and you have that curiosity, and that's the important keyword and that I picked up in your answer there, of really being interested in the profession, People pick up on that and they want to bring in curious, excited people into their organization, which you can't demonstrate that quality in a resume. And then you learn things through those conversations that are helpful. If, if, if I go and I'm talking to you about OSINT and you don't, you don't have a job for me, so it's no big deal. But then I go to another conversation two weeks from now and said, oh, I was talking to Laurent about some of his research that he's been doing or this point that he made. That makes you instantly stand out from any other candidate that most people, because no one's doing this, <laughs> and not very many people are. 
And then you build up the, an internal advocate. And I think that's the biggest thing that people struggle with now is, you know, there's so many resumes, everyone can send in an application online, but what you need to be able to do is create an advocate within the company. that's like, Hey, this person's got some spunk. They're really interested in that. Let's just skip the HR part. And this, yeah. this goes straight to the hiring manager. And it gives you such a huge advantage in the recruiting process. Whereas if, if you're just sitting online and firing out resumes, man, that's not going to get you anywhere. <laughs> that's That worked in like the late 90s and stuff, but it's too competitive now for that. Another tip would be also to, and this is only for people who really like to write, is to start a blog or something else, you know, something that adds value to this OSINT community or whatever community you are in, is to kind of like, firstly, identify a gap. Like what I did with OSINT jobs was exactly this. I realized that, no one is doing it. Everyone talks about OSINT. OSINT is so big. No one knows what jobs there are. So let's fill this gap by creating this kind of, you know, one-stop shop that creates value and hopefully leads to lots of employments and lots of happy OSINT. Uh, so that's one thing. And if someone wants to, you know, showcase his or her like skills and want to just run a blog, that's also a really good way of, you know, getting hired. Because companies out there, you know, the people who are hiring, they are in this field. They read stuff. They see things on Twitter. There are so many new Twitter accounts that pop up every now and then. And you can see if you run a very interesting blog and you talk about very interesting stuff, niche stuff that you are interested in and you're currently looking for someone to hire and you figure out that person is also based, let's say, in the UK, then, of course, it's easier to just reach out and be like, hey, are you interested in something? Like, let's have a chat. This is extremely, it's also a good tip but of course it comes with a lot of work as well that's the thing when i look back on my uh, years in university i wish i'd started a blog on what i'm doing because that just instantly if, if you got that url in your cv or your resume and people go check that out no one else is doing it none of the other applicants are, are doing anything like that and yeah. you just instantly elevated yourself from the competition and then even like if you're not doing that like i've had success just posting stuff on linkedin you always get people reaching out just here's an interesting article right you can just write a short 300 word post on there and then people see that in your network and it's like oh this person's engaged this person's interested and yeah. that's what employers want to have in their organization yeah it really boils down to this you know this passion and curiosity mm -hmm. and the curiosity of like discovering new things sharing techniques and people see like oh, this, this person is really interested in that stuff, but also knows what he or she is talking about. And then this could lead to a new job down the road, but not necessarily. But it's still, I just like to network and talk to people, you know. I learned so much just by interacting with them and learning about the industry they're in. Because as I said at the beginning, like, um, I mean, there's so many things. OSINT, you know, can mean different things to different people. And there are so many different use cases in industries where it's being used and just trying to break it down, that's the, the main goal of OSINT jobs and helping them people. Yeah. And then I'd say too, if this sounds kind of boring to you and the curious part, <laughs> it's like, why are you getting into OSINT? This is like the totally yeah. wrong field for you. you. Lots of good jobs for you out there, but probably OSINT isn't one of them if, if yeah. you don't have that curiosity. But that transitions next into the thing that I want to talk about for some of these skills, and you've talked about different things, and, and I'd kind of like to go into that with your research that you're putting together. What have you seen are the biggest skills that employers are looking for? And we probably got to break this down into different categories too, that you've said yeah. about different types of OSINT jobs, because they're, they're exactly. all very different. Can you elaborate a bit yeah. on that? So as I said, it's still ongoing. So I don't want to give you like, these are the six top six, but what I can see so far, and um, what I also discussed with the team is how we want to structure it or come up or which categories we want to pick. 
So the first skill category will be around intelligence analysis. So this is everything that has to do with intelligence. And um, this goes back to, you know, the understanding, you know, what intelligence is, the concept of the intelligence cycle, um, main focus on the analysis, how to analyze, how to work with incomplete information, how to make assessments, biases, all that stuff that plays in the very important role in intelligence analysis are all, all these skills that you need to be successful in this area. And the job doesn't have to mention OSINT or open source intelligence or even intelligence. But if this is part of your work and it's just not mentioned, then you may want to consider like gaining these skills. And what we also try to do is to come up with this the list of these categories to kind of like describe everything that is out there. And of course, and this is very important to highlight, there will be overlaps. So for instance, we talk about OSINT investigations and we talk about OSINT. Oftentimes these terms are used in combination and people, uh, I don't know if this is deliberate, but people say they do OSINT investigations. I do that too. But um, what I want to highlight here is that you use different skills when you do an OSINT investigation. So you kind of like need skills that an investigator has. And you also use skills that an intelligence analyst uses. And this is very important to understand that within this OSINT world, there are these different skills or career paths or tracks, and they overlap. The mission at OSINT Jobs is to help people grow their skills and advance their careers. And we want to achieve this by highlighting that OSINT is not just this big, you know, hashtag OSINT, but it consists of different categories with overlapping skills. And by highlighting this, we want to help people to, hey, if you're interested in these types of investigations, you may want to consider like these trainings and these kind of skills that an investigator needs because they are different than someone who does intelligence analysis. Of course, they overlap lots of things. But when we talk about investigations and intelligence analysis and also in the academic literature, there are differences. So investigations focus on finding facts. You want to investigate something. You want to prove or disprove something. And then also uh, kind of like the other skills that you would require in this field. Let's talk about fraud and anti-money laundering is to understand the laws because you want to prove something. So this is where you're coming from. And your OSINT investigation uses publicly available sources to prove or disprove something along maybe some other things. Whereas someone who is in the field of intelligence analysis has to make assessments, maybe even forecasts. So looking into the future, whereas investigators usually look backwards, something happens, let's analyze it. And of course, there are different, there are skills that, you know, overlap. I don't want to say these are completely two dis distinct things, but it already helps to kind of like understand for specific jobs, you need different skills. And then another thing is the other categories, data analysis. People usually ask, hey, I want to get into OSINT. Do I have to learn Python now? Question mark. And then I always say it depends, but usually you don't have to. With data analysis, it's about generating insights from usually larger data sets. Structured, unstructured, that's part of it, cleaning it, getting the data in, in the first place. Let's say corporate security, you protect assets and you want to make a risk assessment and you want to look at um, historical data and you know find some interesting patterns, let's say. And we talk about large data sets. So in this case, you kind of like need to have some skills in data analysis. As I mentioned, the, if you find a structured data set, like you can go to Aklet. Aklet is one of the most widely used things. But if it's very specific and you have to kind of like get the different sources together, structure it, clean it, analyze it, then you need data analysis skills. Then you may want to consider Python, you know. 
but there are also other languages that you can consider like R um, or even just drag and drop Tableau and Power BI. But this is then when you start thinking about, okay, this is where Python could come in. And then we have other things as well, other categories like research. That's also one of my favorites. And as I mentioned at the beginning, we tend to use these things like interchangeably, like I'm not an OSINT analyst, I'm an investigator. Then someone else says, I'm a researcher. They are describing the same thing. And I just try to break it down. And also for me, for myself to better understand. But for me, a researcher is someone that contributes to the kind of knowledge that already exists or wants to identify gaps within the literature and says like, no one has really researched this. So I'm going to contribute to this. These are different skills than someone who has to investigate. And then we talk about investigative mindset and stuff. So different skills, um, different tra career track. And as I mentioned, they can all overlap. So it's not just one thing. Then we've got software development. That's another category. Over the years, this has become also, I think, more and more important. The fact that we work with lots of data and, you know, we try to automate things have also led to this kind of interest in building certain products that use open sources. And this then requires someone who has software development skills and also kind of like understanding of what OSINT is, which is super useful. But I don't want to talk too much about it. It's just simply software development within OSINT. Then we've got also the cyber, um, the cyber category, but, you know, understanding the networks and how they work. And yes, you also produce OSINT within the cyber world, but this is different than from someone who does OSINT in um, making assessments about political events. Yeah, right? So that's different. Totally, that's, totally different skill set. That, exactly. That's OSINT. Yes, that's OSINT, but it's different world, different category. And by breaking it down into these categories, I hope that this will help people to just guide them. Like if you're into cyber, then you should consider this career path, OSINT within cyber. Because as far as I know, OSINT is just one part within the cyber world. There are lots of other things. Understanding these APTs, right? How they operate. Yeah, they all use OSINT, but the techniques and everything else differs. But again, there will be overlaps with skills like how to investigate, you know, how to investigate from start to finish, how to document, how to write reports. This will be all like similar. So these were like kind of like the, the main categories. I hope that this will help people identify gaps in their current skills and also try to better understand what OSINT actually is. I think it's also helpful too that the categories that you're trying to provide in helping OSINT professionals that might be already in the field and employed, thinking about where they want to go next. Because like you said, you can't be everything. You can't be an expert at geopolitical stuff and cybersecurity and academic research. They're, they're just too broad. So having that kind of specialization is going to be essential for marketing yourself to employers when you want to start working your way up the, the career ladder. Yeah, exactly. At the beginning of my career, this was also one of the problems. And I think many have the same. They see people talking about Maltigo. They see people talking about Python, then this. And they kind of like get this pressure. And I had it too, that if they talk about this, I have to learn that too. I have no idea why I would need it, but let's just learn it. And that's the wrong approach. I've done it and it's just too much. You will not be able to do everything. I stopped myself many times and I'm still doing it. I'm interested in lots of things and I try to get started with it, but I have to say like, this is not really relevant to your career. You don't have the time. So yeah. All right, Laurent, let's take this thing home. What's the main takeaway you want listeners to remember from this episode? The main takeaway is that if you're looking for anything OSINT jobs related, visit OSINTjobs.com. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. But also, <laughs> but also, yeah, on a more serious note is that, yeah, there are plenty of OSINT jobs out there. And by just being, you know, honest with yourself and listening to what you're interested in and by reaching out to people and also using all the resources that we, we put out on OSINT jobs, but also feel free to just reach out to people directly and ask them for help. Anyone can have a career, an OSINT career. And um, yeah, and I wish everyone all the best. All right, Laurent, thanks for being on the show. No, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Again, that was Laurent Bodo, the creator of OSINTjobs.com. Thanks for listening to Talking Threat Intelligence. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to episodes. And if you'd like more insights on building a successful threat intelligence program, be sure to check out our resource page at lifebrapinc.com slash blog. That's lifebrapinc.com slash blog. And I hope you tune in next time.